Hello, hello, testing, this is DJ Jungle Cat coming at ya. <laughs> I wish my voice sounded like that. Guys, this is Tiger coming at ya with another podcast episode of Tiger Talk. This one, I thought, before we get into some new stuff, we should review what we've already done. So I went through and picked out my favourite parts of the conversations that I've had so far already. And uh, going back and listening through previous episodes only made me realise how much I hate the sound of my own voice. And uh, as much as I would have loved to have had Morgan Freeman uh, run this podcast for me, he wasn't as free as his name would suggest. And so uh, I'm just going to have to keep going until then. Also, before we move on, just want to say that uh, low-key, high-key, just an apology in advance for the audio fail on a couple of occasions and the differences in sound quality. It was a unique artsy blend of lack of knowledge at the time and just embracing the environment that was provided when we recorded the podcast. Anyway, I think that's enough of me talking. Let's get the people with the wisdom on the roll. So first off, we have Hauser, who was chatting to us about her journey to chase the blogging dream go from um, just a girl working in on the east coast to a, uh, yeah. a photographer documenting her travels Did you, was there any post school training or no I just self taught yeah. taught myself it's been a kind of a long journey I've learnt so much since when I started yeah um, yeah I where, where did you where did you come from? So you got the camera, you were just taking you st- you said yeah. you started taking photos. Yeah, I started taking photos and started posting my photos on Instagram. Yeah, and just really liked the idea of kind of showing people like on online like a really easy way, just posting a photo on Instagram, and yeah. then people started getting more. F- I started getting more followers and likes, and then like just became really persistent with photographing travels, yeah. posting started um, writing a blog about our travels as well. Yeah. It was pretty slow at start, probably the first year and a half. Wasn't really getting much engagement or, like, interaction, like many followers, but I just... Kept that was just persistent. Did you have the blog before you started travelling? No, I started it, like, a couple weeks into my travels. Yeah? Yeah. On that first trip when you went to Scotland? Yeah. Yeah? Scotland was my first post. So that kind of felt natural, taking photos and writing about your travels? Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to do that. Yeah. I think I just followed a lot of travel bloggers and inspired me heaps. In that in just just before you went away yeah. or kind of since you finished school you kind of Yeah, since I finished school I knew I wanted to travel and kind of blog it and take photos and Yeah. So oh, I had it in, I was set in my head. I'm I'm right I'm writing a blog. I'm going <laughs> going I'm traveling the world and taking photos and I'm writing a blog. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah, Effie. And how did you kind of find your style? Were you just playing around? You used Lightroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Use Lightroom. Yeah. Um, you just kind of play around till you find colours you like and whatnot? Yeah. It's crazy how I used to use Lightroom to how I use Lightroom now, like yeah. at the start. You just don't really know how to use the tools and you kind of just... Like my style at the start is a lot different to what I'm doing now because you kind of just learn how to edit with different, like with the highlights and... I don't know, I just, I think my style's changed heaps from when I first started. Mm-hmm. If you look back on my old photos, I didn't, I think I was a bit more like, kind of brighter, 
tones and yeah. a bit more darker now and just Epic I feel like my style now. changes a lot. Kind of just what I'm feeling at the time, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and you make a new kind of preset for each place yeah. that you go. Yeah. So I have heaps of presets that I now um, use mostly to edit my photos. But at the beginning, I didn't even know how to create a preset. Yeah, I didn't course. create presets for almost a year and a half. I had no, no idea. Way. Yeah, Each photo just, just new. Just new, just going. Well, that probably helped a lot with yeah. like learning just, how it all works and yeah. whatnot. Oh, learned so much. Yeah, just, for sure. Yeah. And do you look back on on those edits and kind of like are you are you happy with them now or like no, not, really. not at all <laughs> no 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 but no. i kind of like I, I kind of think that when you look back on your old photos yeah. you kind of see your progression yeah it's cool almost like as an artist or as you learn you can kind of obviously visually see how like you've learned and like how you learn mm-hmm. new tools and whatnot exactly, yeah. to where you are now yeah it's just it's funny Classic. So, yeah, so different, but and I you, like the the process of seeing how when you started to what you are now, and it's kind of like a bit of like you see, you feel a bit of like a bit of achievement in yeah growing and and uh, what about the blog? You you wrote, you made the website yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably super challenging. One of the most challenging things is and you taught yourself how to do all that as well. Yeah. Just online, just Google. Yeah. How I use to... WordPress, so it's pretty straightforward. But then. It's not at the same time. Like it's pretty hard to get all the little bits that you want in it. Like even having like a um, like a hover button for like pinning it on Pinterest, or yeah. even just the layout. Like getting the layout you want is super hard. I'm still struggling with it a bit, and I want to spend more time focusing on making it more my style and how I feel. It's just having the time to do it. Yes, yeah. that's it. That, well, that's another aspect that people don't see. They think. They just see one photo a day and it just looks yeah. like, oh, she posts one photo, edits one photo and that's it. But yeah. what people don't see is the amount mm-hmm. of effort that you go into. You've been on yeah. your laptop non-stop when, you're not, when we haven't been cruising around taking photos. You've been on your laptop mm-hmm. hustling. and. I think especially with blogging, it takes me ages because I'm not very skilled at writing. So is that it right? Just, yeah, I really struggle. Well, there's something. There's I struggle people, hard, hey. Yeah? Yeah. With writing, it doesn't come naturally. No way. Yeah. So it I kind of puts me off doing a blog because I know people want to read about what I'm doing, but I kind of just mainly want to do it to show my photos more so than the writing. Yeah. To share the photos that you don't want to yeah. post on Instagram. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but... And your writing on there is more of like a um, review of the whole trip, is yeah. it? Or is it like an yeah. insight into the photos? So or? some posts are more like personal storytelling. Others are more like travel guides. Oh, where epic. to eat where to stay, yeah. like how much it costs, stuff like that. Real so, informative stuff yeah, for real, people that like want to travel. Yeah, That's no surprises why you've got such an avid following. Must be uh, some real honest stuff there. Do you get a lot of people um, really putting in what you're saying to practical like day-to-day life kind of stuff? Like people go to places and they're like, oh, how was like a follow you on Instagram and the stuff that you said there really helped me with my travels. Yeah, there was there's one post I did about travelling in a um ultimate guide to travelling in a camper van around Europe. Oh what? Yeah, and I get that's like my most viewed po- like blog posts and so many people even email me, message me about it and want to know or they email me saying, Oh, like it's really helped me because if I had read 
the posts that I had before done before went. I went. It would have helped me so much. Like, I, we were such rookies. We didn't know. <laughs> we honestly, I look back, I'm like, oh, why didn't I know this before I started? Like, I just wanted to have, like, I wish someone had written something like that before I started. Cause yeah. It's just so many things that are so helpful that you just don't know at the beginning. And now we have uh, the conversation I had with Zal Kangaparabia about expressing yourself through creative avenues, and so let's hear what he has to say. I think a lot of people think they don't you know, have enough money to travel or something like that, yeah, yeah. but forget that they have like so many things that they just yeah. do as a human being. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, even just offering like time to talk to someone, yeah, like that's so much. Like, or just time to be friends with someone like yeah. some people really appreciate that but yeah I guess I don't know like you know when you just start something and it your life kind of just makes its own decisions I yeah guess. yeah you that's know, it. like it just I just started guitar and all that creative stuff and everything just seemed to be like working pretty well and yeah I don't know I feel like when that happens to me I just I don't really stop things I'm yeah, not like yeah. oh but I'm supposed to be a yeah yeah you know, I'm supposed to be this I'm like nah this is this is fun this is cool so I'll just follow it and see where it takes me and that's yeah. kind of what I did I just I was like oh this is fun I'll just keep doing it and see what happens I guess as I changed through like these things that I'm interested in yeah with like space as I'm now and yeah and just music in general I guess those things feed into the music yeah um, but I'd consider myself kind of like a folk artist yeah it's all about storytelling <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> modern like, day Bob Dylan oh, I wouldn't, wouldn't go that far <laughs> but yeah it's all like storytelling and yeah. I guess it's just whatever the story is that I'm kind of playing out right now yeah. or whatever I'm interested in as well like fiction too sweet man um, so I think those things kind of feed into the music like yeah definitely like my family my friends and the books that I'm reading and then yeah just like if I'm reading about dragons and things like that or space they yeah. all just feed in together to create like whatever story that comes out it's, it's like it's so different to other forms as well like I I had a time where I was thinking about photography and music and yeah. I guess what are the differences in expression. Yeah, and yeah. Photography is quite like instant yeah. and, and then you kind of go into this editing phase where you're creating a story and that's, yeah. that's kind of a more long process. Yeah. But with music, it's, it's quite like a long and deep, I guess, process. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, um, that's just kind of these things that I've found playing music. It's, I get to kind of like sit and like play on my guitar or yeah. just think about rhythms and, and things like that and and it just like go into this whole other world yeah yeah you kind of just get lost it's really awesome art form I'd spend a few weeks chatting to people that were like kind of artsy and into the creative stuff so I thought it'd be sweet to contrast it with a uni student who was living more of a traditional kind of avenue and so I sat down with my friend Tom Russell who's studying to be a doctor the great thing about uni, it's so, like, each day is different. Yeah. Like, you got to, back at school, you're like, you go to school, you get there at 8.30 or whatever. Yeah. You, same routine. Yeah. Uh, uni is just, you, know, you rock up for your lectures, you, yeah. you do your labs, you try to stick around for your group assignments, that sort of thing. You know, yeah. Home. I don't know, I guess day to day, I know I try to, try to do some sort of training in the morning. Go yeah. Go for a run or go for a ride. Yeah. Sort of thing. I don't know, this semester at uni has been pretty chill actually yeah um so far as units wise a lot of work though yeah um trying to get things done yeah but i do uni through the week then it's the friday often got a gig of some sort 
Yeah, as a um, as a disc jockey. That's it. As a DJ. DJ T Russ. What <laughs> social social dispatch? Social dispatch. Yeah, just launched it. But yeah, no Friday nights often out somewhere. Um, then have a good sleep in Saturday morning. Yeah. Then often repeat it again Sunday. Uh, Saturday. Yeah. Into Sunday. It's growing on me. When I was when I started, I was like, oh, why would I want to do that? Like, why would I want? I'm here for seven years. Yeah, why would I want to go into research? Why wouldn't I try go into like a career driven? Yeah, pathway because when you do research, it's very broad. You can do, I guess you can do a lot of things with it, but it doesn't give you a direct, uh, direct line into something. So I mean, looking at it now and knowing the options that are available if you do do the postgrad, it's so open. Like you can be an exercise scientist, exercise physiologist, again going to physio, podiatry, that sort of thing, which is, I don't know, that's really exciting. But I mean, I've got this focus at the end, which is to be a doctor. Once I put my mind to something, I, I, don't, I almost get guilty, feel guilty if I don't. And I think there's so much um, unconscious sort of expectation around it, even from other people, like, oh, you can be a doctor, like, right, cool, yeah. that's awesome. Like, it's, but then if I then don't do it, it's like, oh, you could have done it and you right. didn't. Yeah, even if it was to go, like, um, go into physio or something like that, that's something else that really interests me. One of my good friends, Andrew, is a business owner. 22 years old and running um, a business that's got its foot in a few different doors. So I thought he'd have some super stuff to share. So let's hear the best of him. Yeah, it, it wasn't as much a job for me that that was my passion back then was music. So like for me, I was DJing in my bedroom and mixing tracks together and stuff like that. And then, yeah, when it came to our golden years, I guess, when we were 18 and having fun, um, I preferred to be behind the decks than be out there getting drunk. So yeah, yeah. Started off in my mate's backyard, and then my friends' of friends' backyard, and then people I didn't even know their backyards. And that scene has always there's always been. I, I wasn't the first to to be a DJ, and I wasn't the first to be a DJ where we lived. So yeah, yeah. There was always competition, and um, I guess when I started to sort of notice that I was going out of fashion and. All these young guys were killing it, um, and just as passionate. Uh, instead of instead of being competition, I thought, why don't we all just come together and and make something bigger than all of us? The concept kind of sells itself. I mean, th- for them, they don't have to compete with with the people around them or me or anything like that. I mean, I had all the gear and a bit of experience, and they had they had the audience. They were the, they were engaging the kids their age, so. Yeah, it was a, it was a no brainer for them at the time. Music was what I was passionate about, so it just grew from there. Yeah, and slowly, I mean that that so over the span of what five years it took to sort of go from concept to something that I could live off. Uh, yeah, so it's not it wasn't an overnight thing. It was, yeah, it was a long time. Sort of predicting what people want and what you can give them. Yeah, it's hard. The the DJ collective concept was kind of cool because. We had all these uh, young people's attention in their backyards. We were playing what they wanted to hear. Um, and the venues that you would go to when you're 18, uh, they weren't doing that quite as well. So we had this awesome product to sell them on our, in our laps, really. But yeah, we fell into it. So as soon as, we, as soon as we were 18 and we were growing out of the house party phase... We just moved straight into nightclubs and yeah, this journey, the last six years has been the most incredible thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I wouldn't want to devalue my degree or anything like that, but I've learnt more by just doing it than what I could from a book or listening to someone speak. So yeah, it's been it's been crazy. A lot of people, myself included, have tried and failed to run clothing labels, so I thought it'd be sweet to get some wisdom from my friend Mac, Alex McDonald, who's running a women's fashion label that is going off its rocker. I went to uni for a year and then I started working in interior styling and then I went to uni and studied interior architecture. Swapped degrees? Yep, swapped degrees and then... Yeah, at the end of the degree, kind of realised I didn't really want to go into it straight away and so started uh, playing around with clothes. And here we are. Oh, yeah, sorry. I worked in retail at Sassenbite and another boutique called Adam Heath um, throughout my degree. And then, yeah, kind of still worked at Sassenbite and Adam Heath through the en- throughout the end of the degree and then for a little bit this year until I needed to kind of break away from that and concentrate more on my own thing. Yeah, well, kind of a lot went on at the end of last year. Um, so I had final, like it was final submissions. And then I had a bit of a end in a big relationship. And then I kind of just, yeah, kind of thought I need to do me and I need to do something for me that really satisfies and that I really, satisfies me and that I'm, yeah, completely, I don't know. Like completely drawn to, really involved in something that is just totally me. I was always really interested in clothes, and I think n- not being able to find the clothes that I wanted to wear on a daily basis probably more so sparked having my own. I kind of wake up in the morning and I have an idea of what I want to wear that day, and I, I suppose that's determined by my mood, and usually it's just a sack dress. Um, not because I want to look like a sack of potatoes, but because that's just what I feel like wearing. <laughs> And there were not, I couldn't find like simple forms and shapes which were also flattering um, that I could just chuck on. And, you know, chuck on a dress and walk out the door, it's pretty easy. And that's what I wanted. And so that's what I wanted to create. And I feel like I have created that. It was never my intention to have a, to have a, I mean, it's not big, but it was never my intention to have a label that was, that kind of was my career. It was kind of just more something that I was loved doing and so I wanted to pursue it and I didn't really have an end goal or I don't have an end goal or game. Um, it just kind of worked out like that. And our final episode that we had to round out 2017 was with Olympic swimmer Brianna Throssell who spoke to us about overcoming disappointment and then launching into a new way to diversify things to come back and achieve her goals. I was 16 at the time and I was in year 11 and I just... I went there and I I was just so, so amazed at like the atmosphere and then I watched the Olympic team get announced for like 2012 Olympics and I was just like, oh my gosh, like that is amazing. I just, like I guess like I was just there to race and experience what I did but I saw that team get announced and I was just like, wow, four years' time, I want to be sitting in one of those chairs getting my boarding ticket for the Olympics. Uh, I guess like 2015, so the year before the Olympics, I made my first senior team and that was um, world championships in Russia. And I guess that probably gave me a lot of confidence going forward for the next year. I I guess like breaking onto the senior team, I was like, wow, you know, I only need to do this, the same thing again in 12 months time and like, you know, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics. So 2015, I, world champs, I tried to just gain as much experience as possible and 
yeah, I ended up coming away fourth in the 200 fly at Worlds, which was like pretty much my best race so far. <laughs> which, um, yeah, so I was, I, I guess I went in as the underdog in, in 2015 and had no pressure whatsoever. And then, um, but yeah, it really motivated me and gave me a lot of confidence sort of moving forward into 2016 where the Olympics, uh, which was the year of the Olympics. And yeah, I qualified um, in April of 2012, uh, 2016, sorry, for the 200 butterfly which then, yeah, I went and swam at Rio. And, yeah, I finished eighth from the 200 fly, which was a little bit disappointing. Um, yeah, like, I don't know, I guess I kind of saw what I did the year before and I was like, oh, my gosh, can I better at one more place and become a third? Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't and I guess I came back a little bit disappointed and decided that I needed to need a bit of change of scenery. I moved coaches to the Waste High Performance Program and, yeah, it was probably the best decision of my life. Um, yeah, coming home from the Olympics is always, I think, a bit tough given the hype of it and you kind of come home and you're you're not nobody but you just kind of, you're just a normal human again rather than sort of living this dream at the Olympics. It's quite humbling almost just to think that you're sitting at a table next to Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer. It's just like wow right now we are both olympians like we're actually equal people right now like we're both here to compete at the olympic games so i think that something like that was just like the, one of the most amazing like thoughts i've ever had just to think that like someone who's one of the most high profile athletes in the entire world across any sport is right there doing the same thing that i'm doing was incredible yeah so i changed coaches and then made another world championships um in 2017 and yeah, again, it was a little bit of a disappointing um, world championships where I swam the 100 and the 200 butterfly. But, um, yeah, so I guess I kind of came home from Worlds a couple months ago and had to really reconsider, do I love this? What am I doing? And I came to the conclusion that I have worked so hard in the pool and that obviously it was, like, something else that I needed to work on. And I then kind of learned that I just... I race and I don't have confidence at all. I kind of go up against these, you know, world champions, world record holders, and I'm just so, so scared. And, yeah, ever since that race in 2000s, like earlier this year, I've just really been trying to improve on my self-confidence and belief in myself that I can do this race. Most swimmers work really closely with this, um, a psychologist. So, yeah, I guess I've, I've, I see a psych a bit just to try, you know, just to gain a little bit of confidence back. After 12 months of some pretty disappointing swims, it's pretty, like, it knocks me pretty hard, I'm not going to lie. So I'm trying to really, um, yeah, work on just gaining confidence from, from my training because the thing is, like, the most disappointing part is that it's not that I was training badly. Um, the results just didn't show what work had been put in, which was the most disappointing part. So, yeah, I've been trying to gain, uh, take confidence from my training to put into racing well, that's a wrap for this episode, guys. That was the best of Tiger Talk minus the two episodes I lost, which were with Zach and Jacko. No doubt I'll have them back on the podcast again soon so we can get a bit more wisdom from them then. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect on all the links that I've attached in the show notes. And if I don't get Morgan Freeman on to uh, run the next episode, then I'll speak to you soon. Peace.